0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the stories podcast. I am still reeling from last week. Last week was our first time having a guest on an episode. It was episode five. If you haven't listened to it yet. Please go listen to it. I had Alexis come be on, and the conversation was everything that I hoped that it would be and more. And I think that it really did feel like a conversation too, because I've said previously, when I have guests on the podcast, I want it to feel like you're listening in on a conversation that's going on next to you. And I want it to remind you of really incredible conversations that you've had, um, or maybe that you've listened to and you just wish you could take them with you everywhere you go. So, you know, personally, that felt incredible for me to be able to listen back to the episode, not to hear myself speak, because I really, it's really hard for me to do that, but to hear her. And while she was talking, I remember there was just this moment and I was holding my coffee. It was probably my fourth coffee of the day. So that could also be why I was shaking. But in reality, I was shaking because I was listening to her be so inspiring and she wasn't even trying to be she was just talking but by hearing her speak I was so inspired by her and it was a moment where I realized how happy I am that we're getting to do this podcast experience together and how important it is and like I've said in the past if this ends up being something that I can really take off with that's going to be incredible or if it's something that it's just meant for a specific season of life it's something that I'm really proud of and that I hope And something that I hope you can use as a resource and always go back to. So I don't plan on slowing down anytime soon. I'm having way too much fun with it. But that was just a really incredible moment to hear somebody else speak and for her to be so willing to be on the episode. So thank you to you, Alexis, again. And if you haven't listened already, please do. Moving into our episode for today, I want to talk a little bit about a good friend called Tokenism. Um, this is, you know, the story that I'm about to tell you all is something that happened during my sophomore year of college in the sorority that I was in, and it's a story that honestly I had kind of forgotten about. I don't know if "forgot" was the right is the right term. I think I just really kind of stuffed it deep but it was a moment that i experienced you know racism in the form of tokenism and instead of just letting it you know really hurt me and bring me down i decided instead to educate the people that I was around and to use it as a moment of learning. And I don't even really think that I knew that's what I was doing at the time. At the time, I thought I was just standing up for myself, which I was. But it's interesting when standing up for yourself also counts as teaching other people. And so it was really incredible to think back on that experience, to think through one of my best friends being, it was probably one of the first moments she was a strong ally of mine. And I think she would probably say the same. Now it's something that, you know, if if it's ever needed, she's always there for that, of course. But I think this was one of the first moments for her where she really realized that she needed to empower me um, to, to understand what was happening to myself instead of just letting it kind of pass. And I was so young and so vulnerable that, you know, her doing that for me brought me to a point where now, you know, no one needs to tell me anything twice. And I think it's interesting how, you know, I think I talk a big game and, you know, seem really strong 24-7, and I try to be, but there have definitely been times where I weren't as much, and someone was there to help me through that, and now that's something that I try to do with everything. I try to do it with this podcast. I do it when I see it, um, and so it was just an experience that, that stood out now that I reflect, but it's something that I really didn't see as being as important as it was, and it's called The Token. As the video played across the large projected screen, I sat in anticipation, waiting for my part. My palms were sweaty and my heart was beating out of my chest. I wondered what piece of my interview they decided to include. Did I talk too fast? Did I look big on camera? Worst case scenario, thoughts continued to course through my mind until I finally recognized myself on the screen, grinning, white background behind me, and a voice in the background asking, what is your favorite aspect of your sorority? I watched the word diversity formed by my mouth, but my ears were ringing. The screen immediately switched to the next group of women featured in the recruitment video. I realized that the editors of the video for context had completely taken out a huge portion of what I had said. The question, it was something kind of stemming towards, you know, what about your sorority uh, makes everybody different, something like that. And I remember giving a longer answer and being really proud of that answer. And then I recognized pretty quickly that they cut everything around what I said and only had myself say diversity on the screen, which was heartbreaking and shocking. And I was really, at the end of the day, freaking confused because I definitely understand why you have to edit videos, why you want to make everything work. And, you know, I know that when they were editing this video, they thought, wait, this is a great opportunity. We're going to use diversity to say diversity in this video. But for me, it didn't really feel that way. The remainder of the video had girls giggling, holding each other, looking beautiful. And it was one of those videos that makes you wonder if the people behind the screen are truly that carefree. And I have to say for a majority of it, the girls were. But it, for me, it was the first and only time I felt as if I was the token black girl. To put the words diversity in our mouth and we're, don't worry about being targeted for a complete lack of such. For context, I was one of the lucky members of my white in sorority to be chosen to speak in a video shown during recruitment. And I was so excited for this. I was proud the leaders of my sorority had finally seen me, especially when you're so young, to to feel that kind of excitement is just something so unique. Looking back, I wish that I would have been a little bit uh, more guarded. I wish that I would have thought more full circle. okay, what do they want me to say in this video? Is this really something that I want to do? But either way, I prepped for hours, and I was told to talk about my favorite things about Auburn and the sorority. And once the camera was on, I was ready. I spoke more so about the diversity of thought in the sorority and about the acceptance and encouragement I felt from the older women around me. And I said this so that hopefully in the future, when Black girls were watching this video before they were coming to Auburn, thinking that they might want to join a Panhellenic sorority, they would see someone who looks like them saying that they were encouraged and empowered where they were. I spoke about the community I had found and the mentors that were continuing to shape me and sharpen me. But unfortunately, little did I know those same mentors were also had had a, they just they didn't know everything that I thought they do. You know what I mean? And I thought that they had worldly views. And now looking back, they were younger than I am today and truly understanding they had no idea. But what I heard when I looked at the screen was my black grinning fi- face coming across the screen. And it said, what was your favorite aspect of the sorority? And I said, diversity grinning all the larger, not knowing that my words would be cut, and uncomfortable laughter would fill the room as my star-shining moment concluded. The evident awkwardness of it all settled in. The soon-to-be social justice warriors who would later leave the sorority out of anger still asked me why I stayed. They remember that. I remember I was talking to this one woman that was in my sorority, and she had left, uh, I think, somewhere between our junior and senior year, stopped being involved with it. And she remembered this moment and asked me about it when we were speaking a few months ago. And you know, she's, for many of them, including herself, that was the first turning point when they realized that they were sitting around a room, a woman that looked exactly like them, talked exactly like them, and were raised in the same socioeconomic status. This frustrated them a lot and caused a fire inside of them that they couldn't contain because they weren't raised feeling this way. This is a feeling that, as I've said in the past, many Black, all Black people, I will say, feel from the moment they understand when something is kind and when something is not kind. So for someone to really first experience this in their early, late teens, early 20s, it's something frustrating, and and they didn't understand why their skin was on fire or why they were so agitated by what had happened. And what they didn't realize is that I don't have the luxury of running away from this. This is something that I have always experienced. This is something that will continue to come. And it's really just the way that you handle the situation, but giving them grace in the fact that they had never had to deal with this before. But when they come to me, I'm like, yes, this this is day in, day out, something that I'm consistently working for. And this is why I do what I do. And so, you know, I, on the other hand, was familiar with the feeling. But what was different about this time though, was the fact that I couldn't laugh it off. This was a pushing point and a turning point for me as well in my own way. Something in me refused to let this pass as an awkward misunderstanding. This was too important. And a strong part of me also had something to say for the sake of the woman that made the video, the woman that would never be featured in a video like this and for me. This was classic tokenism or I looked up the definition to be technical. So tokenism is the practice of making a symbolic effort to do a particular thing, especially by recruiting a number of people from underrepresented groups in order to give the appearance of sexual or racial equality within a workforce, or in this case, an organization. Being a black woman in a predominantly white space, you are consistently convincing yourself that you are not where you are because they needed a black face. You're there because you are qualified and you are worthy while I believe this to be completely true, sometimes you have to reinforce your worth when someone else mistreats it. So while I was not a token in my environment, I was being used and portrayed as one. And I didn't know how I wanted to confront the situation. So in my head, I think, you know, I thought I decided to ambush, but what I now realize is that what I saw as an ambush to others is just sharing your feelings. And from a young age, I've always felt emotions in a really extreme way. Experiences have always pushed me to extreme limits, whether it's being extremely overjoyed from a good conversation, like I always talk about, or heaviness that is paralyzing from a wrongdoing. Either way, though, I knew that I wanted to teach them. And, the paralysis didn't last long. I was stuck for a minute and then I was fired up. And there are a few steps necessary for this conversation. And the first one at this point in my life was that I had to be hyped up by one of my best friends that this was the right thing to do. I think that sometimes as black people, we can get so used to situations like this happening. And so often if you say something, you're turned down as you're overreacting. You're calling racism when it's not there. So I say it's so important for those of you that are listening that are not Black, if you feel that you're in a place to empower somebody else or to let them know that you saw what happened, even if you're not really pushing them to do one way, to do one thing or the other, even just saying that you witnessed it can be so unbelievably eye-opening. And so for me at that point in my life, when I was so young, that was the first step for me was to just be reaffirmed that what I heard wasn't okay, what I saw wasn't okay, and that I was worth more than that. Then the next thing I did was I explained how the video made me feel. I explained what it felt like to be used as a token and how much it hurt to hear the snickers around the room after the fact. And then I requested that the video be changed immediately. And finally, I stood my ground and I didn't apologize. I think a lot of times when you're trying to teach someone something or they say something offensive to you but you care about them enough to explain why that wasn't okay, an immediate reaction, and maybe this is more so for me than for other people, but my immediate reaction is always to say, I'm sorry, but you know what I mean? And to to just apologize for the uncomfort of the situation. But I didn't apologize this time and I wouldn't recommend doing so in the future because at the end of the day, you're not describing something that you, you know, view a particular way. You're saying what's right and wrong. You should never have to apologize for what's right. And honestly, when I had this conversation, heck yes, it was uncomfortable. It was as if it was the first time these, these executive members that built the video had heard the term racism mainly because of ignorance, but an ignorance rooted in a society of systemic racism and history-erasing culture. It felt like I was explaining why the sky is blue or what water consists of. It felt like I was breaking down a topic that should never have to be explained. It just is. But unfortunately, it isn't and cannot be unless we take the time to educate each other. This is why I was so uplifted by our guests last week. Alexis reminded me and us that when we are tired of fighting, someone else will do it for us it also made me realize the importance of educating because in that moment, although I didn't know it, I was fighting for the black women that were not yet in the room. And so it's a short story, but it's it's one of those examples. And I think I was so, when I, when I wrote this um, too, I added in obviously that last part after speaking with Alexis last week, but when I wrote this originally, I was so stunned by the paragraph that I wrote talking about how Honestly, you have to make every situation or you have to re-justify yourself in every situation that you are not the token. To consistently have to do that is is infuriating and it's disappointing. And sometimes you're not a hundred percent sure, or I'm not. Sometimes I'm like, you know what? I'm pretty sure I'm qualified to be here. I'm pretty sure I deserve this and I've worked for it, but did I? And that's a hard, hard result of the lifestyle that we've been living and the situations that we've been in. But if you're ever, if you ever feel like you're being used as a token, the best thing to do is to stand up for yourself, and is to say, and is to, you know, remind people of why you're not that. And I think that sometimes when people use others as tokens to say, look how inclusive we are, look how diverse we are, they don't might not necessarily realize that they're doing that. But I don't think that that excuses it at all. And I think the only way to make that clear is to say something and to inform them so that it never happens again. And one of the girls who who I had to tell this to, one of the girls who edited the videos, we're actually still really close friends. And she's continued to be a mentor throughout my life. And it's kind of interesting though when you teach your mentor something, but then continue to follow them and say teach you, teach you other things. You know what I mean? And it was a really incredible moment for both of us. I remember when I was talking to her way before the Stories podcast was created. But when I was going through my writing, she actually read over them and I hadn't included this. And she asked if I wanted to. She said she knew it was personal, but it was a really important moment for her. And she thinks that it would be a helpful story to tell. And so I just, you know, if you would have told me that four years ago when this happened, I wouldn't have believed you. I wouldn't have believed that in a moment where I was flustered and felt like I was crying wolf, it actually educated somebody and taught them into their future. And this is somebody that I really looked up to and continue to look up to. So, uh, so, you know, I say this story all in all, because whether you're the person tokening someone else, or you feel as if you're being used as such, both aspects of that are wrong and should always be confronted. And sometimes you have to teach your teachers and your educators and your mentors. And, and as I've said previously, if ever you get tired of teaching, don't worry, because somebody else will do it for you. So I thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. It was short and sweet and I hope it gets your Monday started on a note that that helps you reevaluate every situation of your day, reevaluate the meetings you're going to be in today, reevaluate the classes you're going to be in today, think about the people around you and think about how you're empowering them and if you're making a seat for them at the table open. And with that I am going to boogie and have a great rest of the week and cannot wait to be back with you all next week.